all the time. God is good, and regardless of the circumstances, God is still good. Uh, turn briefly to Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to just look over these, these verses. I just wanted to say something before we actually got into the message. It's why we, we read these verses. Uh, many times when we, we look at, at things that we know in Scripture, uh, we kind of discount them. We'll run right by them, uh, no, matter, no matter how powerful it was, because we've heard it before, and I don't need to go over this. Uh, but Peter here is, is talking uh, to children of God who are firm in their foundation. They understand the truths of, 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 of the doctrines. They, they've, been, they've been grounded in that. Uh, but even yet, Peter says there in verse 12, uh, for, verse 12, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. He says, I, I want to remind you. In fact, if I don't remind you, I'm negligent for going over this. Uh, I, I, I'm not performing uh, my duty as, as a as a as a apostle or a, a preacher of the word of God, if I don't remind you of these tr- truths, continuing on, it says, uh, it says, uh, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. You already know these things, but I, I must remind you, yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Uh, uh, listen, remembering the, the truths of God's word, the, those things that you have already learned, uh, those things that you, if somebody asked you, you would already have an answer. Listen, it, it's good to be stirred up in remembrance, not just to, to think about these things, but that it stirs us up as we go back and remember and, and re, regain our, uh, our, our footing uh, on, on those foundational truths that we're already established in. In fact, Paul said, Peter says this, goes on to say, Yea, I think it meet or, or proper, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as, uh, our, Lord, uh, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Uh, Jesus told, if you remember, Jesus told Peter, uh, indicated to Peter in uh, that last time they met, remember when they were, he, they were out fishing, Jesus showed up and he said, come and dine. Uh, at the end of that, after he challenged Peter, he says, love us thou me, uh, what, did, what was the response every time Peter said, of course I love you? Jesus said, feed my sheep. Uh, uh, his, his job was to feed the sheep, the, 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 the sheep being the children of God, the, uh, those, who, uh, those who are following Christ. He was to feed them. He was to, to give them not uh, literal physical food, but to give them the word of God, uh, to, to teach them, to instruct them uh, so that they could be grounded, so that they could grow. But Peter says, listen, it's meat for me while I'm in this body to remind you of those things, uh, not just to teach you that, and now that you know it, let's move on to something else. Uh, even though we know those things, it's important for us to be grounded in those things uh, uh, so, that we, so that we can be stirred up, so that we can continue to be excited. Because what happens, what happens when we don't get stirred up? Last, last night, I made, I, 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 went out and, I, I went out and bought a French press to make coffee with, not last night, a, few, a, a couple weeks ago. And I've really enjoyed making coffee with this French press. It's different if you've never seen one. It's, it's one of those highfalutin kind of, you got to make coffee in a special way. And, uh, but last night I made iced coffee for this morning. It was good. Let me just say that. 
I did not stop at Dunkin' for myself. I drank my own iced coffee. In fact, I gave it to Jess, and she goes, oh, I wouldn't even need to put anything in that. Because she, she, she ruins her coffee by putting flavored junk in it and other stuff. She goes, I, w- I could drink that black. It was that good. Now, something to know about this, this uh, making, how you make French press coffee is you just you put in all the grounds, and then you pour the coffee in, and, it, and then once the coffee's in, you've got to stir it up. And that's how you make regular coffee. Then you let it sit and stew for about, not stew, but steep for four minutes. And then you press, that's why it's called a French press. You press down on the thing and it strains out all the coffee grounds and you pour all the coffee. When you make, when you make coffee overnight, it's got to sit there all night long. But you know what you do before, before you, uh, uh, before you uh, put it in the refrigerator? You've got to stir it up. Why? So that the, the, the water can go through the coffee beans and, and it can really infuse into the coffee instead of, otherwise it would just all sit at the top and none of the water would actually be affected by the coffee. Guess what? The Word of God is kind of the same thing. Every once in a while we've got to stir things up, stir up these truths that we know. Because listen, we all know them. But we've got to stir up these truths so that it can infuse our, our body so that, and, and our life. So that, so that the, the Word of God uh, continues to produce in us the, the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, so that it continues to affect our, our lives. And you say, well, I, I know all of those things that Jesus taught. I, 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 I know those, things, those commandments. I'm firm in my foundation. Good. Let's stir it up. Because if you don't get stirred up, uh, uh, your coffee will, or your spiritual life will be less affected by the word. Say, but I know those things. Good. Let it abide in you. Meditate upon it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Uh, that it begins to affect you and change your life. In fact, Peter ends with this. It says, knowing, he says, I'm, I'm doing this knowing that shortly I put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He says, I want to remind you of these things over and over and over again, so that after I'm gone, dead and gone, these thoughts, these, these truths will remain in you and be stirred up in you after I'm gone. The purpose of any pastor is not to just feed the sheep. Now, don't misunderstand me. The, 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 feed the sheep. The, the Bible says, feed the sheep of God that are among you. But what is the real purpose in a Christian life? It's to grow thereby. Right? My job is not to keep you all here and, and have you all stay in this church while we bring in more people and more people so that we have this large, large number of people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd love to have a, a church full. But my job is to preach the word and to, to shepherd this, the, the flock in, a way, in, in such a way that you grow in the word. And, and not just in the knowledge of the word, but in observance of the word. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, uh, and so that one day, when I'm gone, or whether or not I'm gone, God could use you in the same way. Paul told Timothy to go out and to teach those things that he had been taught, so that then they could go out and teach others also. The purpose of the church is not just to continue to in, um, in, uh, bring in people. While we are to bring in people, we're also to send out people. Because how many towns are there in this area that does not have a church? You say, well, they can drive they can. And there are lots of churches in Maine. But that doesn't mean there aren't unreached people. It doesn't mean that God wouldn't have a church 
sent out from here in Chelsea. Listen, well, there, are, there are, 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 are some solid Baptist churches in Augusta, Maine. And if we would add up all the open seats, it would not equal 18,000. And there are, according to the census two years ago, 18,000 people that live in the state of Maine. We couldn't fit them all here. Sorry, in, in Augusta. The state of Maine has 1.3 million. Uh, but Augusta has 18,000 people, just within the city limits. And listen, we have people from China and Chelsea and Vassalboro and Washington and Sydney and Windsor and all over. Uh, Reedfield, Winthrop, Augusta, everywhere. All here. God doesn't necessarily want us all to stay here. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to go. To go, and I don't. I man, it, it would break. A, it breaks a pastor's heart. It's a, It's it's bittersweet when 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 somebody that you have poured your life into goes off to to work in another ministry. It's 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 bitter because you lose that person. And, and when I say lose them, they're no longer there serving with you. It's sweet because they're serving with you somewhere else. What is bitter and not sweet is when those who who are claiming the name of Christ, go out for other reasons. So, so my encouragement to you, that we're not going to be here, turn back to Matthew chapter 28, that's actually where we're going to start. We're actually going to be starting a series. Uh, last week we spent a much talk, or much time, uh, talking about being a disciple of uh, Jesus Christ. And, and uh, the, on Sunday afternoon we talked about uh, the seven distinctions between uh, being a disciple and being saved. Uh, God calls all of us to salvation. Amen? The entire world is called to salvation. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. Paul says it this way in the book of Romans. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, he also says it, says it this way, uh, that, uh, as, he, as he told Timothy, that uh, uh, I believe it was Timothy, he said that uh, uh, he would have all men come unto him for salvation. Uh, his desire is to see people saved. Everybody. And not everybody will get saved. It's just the, it's the, the uh, it's a sad, it's a sad fact. Every child of God that gets saved, he calls to be a disciple, a follower of his teachings, a follower of his doctrines. And we're going to talk more about that today. Uh, so the, 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 as we go into this series in the next, in the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the commands of Christ, uh, uh, to, uh, not because you don't know these things. Uh, some of you may know them. Some of them you may have forgot. Some of them, uh, I don't know what you've known or forgotten. I'm here just to either to remind you of what the words of Christ are, what the teachings of Christ were, the commands of Christ are, so that, so that we can be the body of Christ that we're called to be. So we're going to look, first of all, turn to Matthew chapter 28. And uh, just, as, just as we set up, it won't be a <clears throat> long message. I always say this. <laughs> Matthew 28, we're going to look at the, the final instructions to the, to the disciples, uh, the apostles, uh, here in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help us, give us good understanding of, of, of these simple truths. Lord, uh, remind us, stir them up in our hearts and our minds, so that, uh, uh, Father, that we, uh, that we really 
don't just know them, Father, but that we're making sure that these things are a part of our daily walk. And God, I, I, I pray that your, your, your will will be done here this, this afternoon. I pray that you would lead and guide every word that comes out of my mouth. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, forgive anything that might hinder your spirit or grieve your spirit. God, I, I want you to have full control today. And so I surrender myself unto you. And God, I pray that the hearts of, our, of these people that are here today, Lord, I pray that they're soft and tender and yielded to your word. Lord, I pray that you'd stir them up. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Matthew chapter 28 here, we have, we have what we, it's commonly known as the Great Commission. Uh, uh, the final words that Christ had for the disciples. Now, uh, in these final words, uh, he's, he's uh, telling them to go and tell others about his words. Uh, and, uh, but but he's, he's giving his instructions to the disciples. Now, we all know that many times the final instructions that, that were, are given to somebody are typically the most important. If you have a babysitter that's going to watch your children... Uh, if you love your children and care for your children, and it's a, especially if it's a fairly new babysitter, you'll tell them, here's where the food is, here's where this is. But before you leave the door, here is a list of phone numbers and people to call if there's an emergency. Right? You give them their instructions, and those things are, are important. If you're leaving instructions for your kids, here are the things that I want you to do before I get home. I was, I was um, <clears throat> if you can ask my mom when she gets back, or you can ask my dad, I was not always good at following those instructions. Uh, I would put things off into the last minute. I'm a procrastinator. I've always been a procrastinator. It is a character flaw that, that God is working on in me, uh, but, but uh, it has been for years, uh, uh, but, uh, and I'm getting better at it. But, uh, but uh, that, as a procrastinator, I'd put things off until, thankfully, we had a very, 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 very long driveway, uh, and they say it was, it was like a quarter mile long and big rocks, so you couldn't drive fast, and I would, I would see the dust of cloud coming as my mom came up the driveway, and then I would run around the house and try to pick up and vacuum the floors. And uh, uh, Anita sent me a video, I wish I had that video to show right now, uh, of uh, two guys running around doing all the chores that they'd been asked to do, and literally running from room to room and diving. It was hilarious to watch. But, but that's what I used to do. Those things are important. And so these words that Christ is giving to the apostles, his, this commission is important. Now listen, all of the words of God, or of Jesus Christ, were important. There's not a single thing that Jesus spoke on this earth that was not important for us to learn and understand. And, we're going to, and, and, over, and in the weeks, we're going to look at the, the teachings of Christ just to, again, stir these things up, remind ourselves of these things uh, so that we can continue to be stirred up and, and serve, serve God and, and not grow cold and not allow these things to grow cold in your life. Uh, but, but here, these verses, Jesus says in verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Uh, this, this, this shows us the authority that, that Jesus Christ had. Now listen, uh, if I tell you to do something, you say, yeah, so what? You have no authority over me. Now if your boss comes and tells you something, right, there's a difference between uh, some, one person and another because one may have authority over you. Jesus had been given all authority. So not only, uh, so I want you to understand, when Jesus gave this command to the disciples, he had the authority to direct them to do this. Now, number one, he was their Lord and Master. Uh, 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 they, they called him Lord many times. Uh, but, what, what, but he also said unto them, you call me Lord, but you do not do the things that I say. 
Lord means master. It means uh, that he has authority over you. And so we need to remember that uh, Jesus Christ not only had authority over the disciples, he has authority over us, and we need to see him as Lord of our life. There is this, understand, or this idea of lordship salvation, that if you don't do these things, you're not saved. That's baloney. Our, we're not saved because of our works. We are saved, however, by our faith, and our faith will work out in our lives in works. What's, what does James say? Faith without works is dead. You can't separate the two, but the works is dependent upon the faith, not the faith upon the works. So, 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 so we, uh, we're to do those things, but we're to do those things and be obedient to God because he has authority. So not only does, but not only does he have authority to command us, he has authority to send us. He's given us a commission, uh, a, a, a purpose as the, the church of God. Now here he's talking to the disciples. He goes on in Acts chapter 1. It's, it's, it's again reiterated what he says. And there's some more information as far as they don't contradict one another. Uh, uh, some people might say, well, he said, it says he said this here and this he said here. Maybe he was speaking at two different times. I believe it was just... They, they took the, the two, two different people, heard them say two different things, and they put it they, they, together. They all, make, they, they all make the same thing, and the Holy Spirit is the one that told them what to write down in the, in, in the end anyways. In, uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he, he again reiterates that the Holy Spirit would come. They were to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And there would be witnesses in both Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? Because it's talking about the church. That they were to, to spread the gospel. There, there, there are a couple commands that, 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 that should be the basis of everything that we do. One, love God. As we go through, as we go through uh, Jesus said that was the greatest commandment. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We're to love others. We're to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're to tell others of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now there are, there are other commands and other teachings that he gives us, but Jesus said those two first were the most important. And if we do those two things, uh, if we follow those two commandments, we've followed the law. The Bible says the, whole, the, the law hangs upon those two laws. Uh, so if I can't hate you if I love you. I can't lie to you if I love you. And I can't lie to God if I love him, right? And so, so, uh, so all the other laws hang upon those, and we're to tell others about Jesus Christ. So he has authority to command us. He has authority to send us. He's been given authority uh, in, 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 this, uh, in, in heaven and in earth. Now here's the command. He says, go ye therefore. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Where to go? There there is sometimes a misunderstanding or a misapplication of, the, of the, the doctrine of the church. When we come to church, it is not intended, and I want to, when I say this, I want to make sure you listen carefully. When we come to church it, on Sunday to worship, it is not intended to be evangelistic in nature. There are many, now that doesn't mean we don't preach the gospel, and it doesn't mean that we don't see people saved. Praise God for that, Amen. But we're not a, what they would call a seeker-sensitive church. There are a lot of churches that, that try to attract the lost to come in to the church 
just so that uh, just so that they can preach the gospel to all of them and 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 see people saved. Now I understand the reason for that because they have a desire to see people saved. And I'm not saying we should invite people to church. That's not what I'm saying. But our our, our goal as a church is to come when we come together on Sunday is to worship God and to be fed by the Word of God. If, all, if we're a seeker-sensitive church, we'll never preach any other doctrine than the gospel. It, there, there will be very little growth uh, in, the, in, in doctrine. But what we will do is we'll focus on people that are lonely and people that are hurt and people that are broken, trying to get them to come in. And listen, I understand that we're all broken people and we're all healed by Christ. But guess what? We're to come in together to worship God and we're to go out together and spread the gospel. What happened in Jerusalem? Peter preached to the loss of the world, and 3,000 got saved. Now, does it say that that 3,000 then met together and they drew in all their friends? No. They would go out. Where, did, where was the next time Peter preached? Was it at the church? Now, if you read the book of Acts, they went to the temple where the lost were, and they preached there. They went out from, from the church. What did the church do? They met daily. We're going, to look, we're going to look at that. Uh, but so the, we, are to, we are to go. Uh, so that means we've got to do something. We've got to, it's, it's, it's not just a, well, I'm just going to haphazardly wander around. There's got to be purpose in it. Go ye, therefore, and preach the gospel. Actually, it says to teach all nations. Notice where, where they go, all nations. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 kind of covers that. Uh, uh, we, we're not going to look at it, but, but it says, it says uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you follow the growth of the church, guess what they did? They preached in Jerusalem, and the church exploded. And they stayed there. And God said, let's stir them up a little bit and remind them what I said. And he sent in uh, Paul or Saul at the time and the other Pharisees, and they stoned Stephen. And then Saul, breathing out threatenings, began to attacked the church. And what did they do? All except for the apostles scattered. And they preached in Judea and Samaria. And, and, man, and God blessed. Uh, you find Philip in Samaria preaching. And man, a great number of people, there's a revival that's going on in Samaria. And, 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 and then God says, Philip, I want you to leave this place and go out in the middle of the desert. And I don't know about you, but if I was in the middle of preaching and souls were getting saved every night and we were having this great revival meeting, I'd be like, why would you want me to go in the middle of nowhere? Because there was an Ethiopian eunuch. A man who wasn't from Jerusalem, who wasn't from Judea, and he wasn't from Samaria. He had been in Jerusalem, and, and now he was on his way out to, Samaria, out to back home. Uh, and God brought Philip along just at the right time. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't happenstance. God brought Philip along to, pre to, to preach the word of God to him. Uh, right where he understood, he was reading Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us, and he preached to him Jesus. And he got saved. Praise God for that. So he went out, and the, the church began to grow, and, and, and then, as, as, uh, then in, in, uh, as later on in the book of Acts, God sends Paul, first Saul, now, now he becomes Paul. Uh, Paul and Silas go out, and they, uh, Paul and Barnabas first, then later on Paul and Silas, they became missionaries, church planners, and they went, uh, they'd go from city to city, all, all throughout, uh, uh, throughout the, the, the area there in Asia Minor, uh, and preaching the word, and, and, and seeing churches started everywhere they went. Go back to Acts 28, verse 19. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What's that word, teach all nations? What does it mean, the word teach? It's, uh, it means to make disciples. 
Now, you can learn a lot of things. We all, uh, how many of you all went to school? I hope you all went to school at some point in time, right? Uh, Jade, you learned a lot of things in school? A lot of things. Are those things, uh, most, I hope a lot of those things, are, I'm sure a lot of those things are good. There's probably some things that aren't necessarily the, the, the greatest things, but you can learn a, a lot of things. But he's not to teach a lot of things. He's to make disciples. And that, the idea is that you go out and you, they're to make followers of Jesus Christ. Now, now you and I both know that, it's, that we do the planting, and we might do the watering, but who is it that brings forth the increase? God. God brings forth the increase. So, but we're to go out, and, 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 and all that's done through the gospel. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Uh, Romans chapter 10 says, uh, uh, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How can they hear in whom they have not believed? How can they believe in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to go out and tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's the declaration or the preaching of the word. You don't have to be a, a pastor to preach the gospel. You just have to declare the gospel. Now, you, you have to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, just like uh, the apostles did. You, you have to go out and, and trust that God will do the work. Listen, Paul went into some towns and preached, and there were great numbers of people that got saved. And then there were also great numbers of people that rejected the truth. It isn't your job to, to convince somebody. It isn't your job to, 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 to twist somebody's arm until they make a profession of faith or to make them say some prayer. It's your job to preach the gospel and let God do the rest. Listen, when God does the rest, what you'll see is that there'll be conviction in their heart, that, that, that they'll come to Christ willingly, not because you made them. Not, be, not to get you off the doorstep. I've seen that. It's terrifying when somebody stands on somebody's doorstep and, and says, goes through their whole thing and says, would you like to be saved? And you can see it in the person's face. Well, maybe, you know, maybe some, well, you know, and they just keep pushing, they keep pushing it until finally, just to get them to go away, they'll say, okay, they'll pray a prayer, and you never see them again. That, that's not salvation. That's just getting somebody to pray a prayer. No, I'm not saying we're not to go out and preach the gospel. And if you can find a better way than to, to get a hold of 18,000 people to knock on the doors, to get them to actually listen and hear the gospel, then, then, then let's sit down and talk and we'll, we'll work on some of those things. But somebody needs to tell them. Somebody needs, uh, somebody needs to, to, to build a relationship with them so that they can then go in and, 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 and uh, hear or preach the gospel to them. But they were to go, they were to preach the gospel, they were to make disciples. We know this. I'm not going to belabor the point, but the gospel needs to be preached. And it's our job as children of God to do that. What's the second part he tells them there? They're to go into all nations. So not just the, the local area, but all nations. And, and we, we do that through missions. Uh, we, we, we support missions. We pray for missions. And prayerfully someday we'll send out some missionaries. Uh, maybe some of our young people, God will stir up in their heart. Don't ever think that God can't use you. And maybe not even our young people. Maybe some of our older people. Uh, 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 you, you never know. Troy and Anita, they might send, God might send you guys to Nicaragua. Or, or whoever else knows where you, you, God might send you. Uh, I'd love to keep you all here, uh, all of you. But, I, but God might have other plans. And our job is not to follow my plans, but to follow God's plans. To teach the gospel to all nations, or teach teaching all nations. Notice what it also says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I just want to hit this really quickly, especially since uh, somebody got saved today. I want, I want us to understand the, the very second step uh, after salvation is baptism. 
It's, uh, we say, why do we get baptized? Well, number one, Jesus was baptized. Uh, at the beginning of his ministry, if, if you, as, as you read the Gospels, uh, Jesus Christ was baptized himself. Uh, he, uh, uh, as, as uh, John the Baptist baptized him, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, and, and the voice of God in heaven, the Father in heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, and he began his public ministry. But not only did Je- was Jesus baptized, we are to follow his example because we want to be like Christ. Christ, amen. He taught his. He taught that that his disciples. He commanded his disciples to go and to baptize. What is baptism? It, it doesn't save you. It, it, it's not. There's no. When we fill that thing with water, it is not special water. It's water that comes from. Uh, if you drink tap water, it's the same water. It's 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 a gust of water. We, we do our best to heat it up uh, to a temperature that's tolerable and uh, so you don't freeze to death. Uh, uh, it's not mystical. You don't, there's no, it's not prayed over. There's nothing special about it. It's not holy. But what, what happens in there is that you're making a public profession of faith. You are representing, and as you go into the water and come back up, you are representing the, the, the death. You are dead in your sins, your burial with Christ, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life as you were born again. And we are called to baptize those that get saved. It's a command that God gave to the apostles that they are to baptize those believers, those disciples of Jesus Christ. And there are those that struggle with baptism because they're fearful of the water. They're fearful of... How much worse would it have been to be baptized when the religious uh, part, the, the religious r- rulers say, "Why are you baptizing these people? Uh, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. They'd be cast out of the synagogue." And there'd been all kinds of the trouble that came with baptism. Here, it's, it's no trouble at all. The water's heated. There aren't no fish swimming around in there with you. No chance of a snake. Well, slight chance of a snake. Uh, sl- slithering. I'm just kidding. There's no snakes. Unless somebody puts one in there. Uh, uh, there's, uh, but, but we're commanded to be baptized. And then we see in, in the book of Acts, uh, as we're going to look at here in a minute, they baptized the believers. They did exactly what Jesus Christ said to do. So baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20. It says, teaching them to observe all things. This word teaching is different than the first word teach. The first word teach, the, Hebrew, or the Greek word was matheteo. It means to make pupils, to make disciples. Here's the word teaching. It means, to da- did, it's the, the Greek word didasko. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, and you don't need to be either, but it means something different. It means to impart knowledge. It says you are to impart knowledge. Well, what knowledge are you to impart to these new disciples of Jesus Christ who've placed their faith and trust in the, in the atoning sacrifice of, Jesus, uh, of what he did for us on the cross? Uh, uh, he, he, he died for our sins. So what are you to teach? What, what knowledge are you, you to teach? All the commands of Jesus, it says. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, there's something important here that is very, it, this is very important for us to understand. We all, all of us hopefully, or most of us, had knowledge of the teachings of Jesus Christ. We know that what Jesus said about loving one another. We know what Jesus said about prayer. We know what Jesus said about telling others about Jesus Christ we, uh, and, and preaching the gospel. We know those commands, how we're to serve one another, we're to humble ourselves and be a servant uh, like Jesus Christ was a servant. But notice what he said, teaching them to observe those things. That word observe is very important because it means this, to keep 
or adhere to in practice. It means I don't just know what Jesus taught, but I live what Jesus taught. There is a big difference between the knowledge and the putting to practice. Uh, it's called wisdom. Uh, uh, back in uh, the book of Proverbs, you read a lot about knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Knowledge is when you get knowledge. You, you absorb knowledge. You read a book and you understand. Uh, I can read a book upon, about how to do CPR. Uh, understanding uh, uh, would be, I now know that why I'm doing those things, or why I'm supposed to do those things, right? You press on the, the heart at a certain rate, uh, for, as far as CPR is concerned, because, uh, so that you are able to pump the blood around, and you breathe into the mouth uh, uh, to get oxygen in, in, into the lungs, so that you can then move that oxygen around, so that hopefully that they'll come back not come back to life, but their heart will restart or begin to function again. Uh, so I, now I know to do it. I also know why it works. Wisdom is taking that knowledge and that understanding and putting it into practice. Now, hopefully that doesn't happen here. Please don't fall, keel over. If it does, I will do CPR like this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that wouldn't work. But so understand, wisdom is the putting into practice the knowledge that you have. He says, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever thing I've commanded you. It's not enough just to have a, a class that teaches the truth. The truth of God's word is important. And we are to impart that knowledge. But it doesn't do any good if the knowledge stays up here and never works itself out here. We are to, to walk in the steps of Christ, not just know where he walked. We're to do what we're to be literally the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. Doing what he did, what he commanded us to do. Now, generally speaking, that would be the same for all of us. Specifically speaking, God has a different plan for all of us, but those general things like loving one another and serving one, those are all the same for all of us. And you may one of you, some of you may be called to be missionaries. Some of you may be called to just to go to your neighbor uh, and preach the gospel. Uh, and how that works out as God leads and opens those doors, follow God. But we need to get the basic principles of this. And listen, I'm not saying that you don't know these things. I'm not saying you don't practice these things. I'm just trying to stir up the pot, remind you of these things, so that uh, so that when you drink your coffee in the morning, it's not too weak. So when you live your life for Christ, man, you're encouraged and exhorted to go on even when things get hard, because they will get hard. And to remember that these are the words of Christ, not just being a good person. That's, those, that's important. Now as we see here what Jesus commanded them, I want you to see the last thing Jesus said. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. This is important. It reminds us that the, that the empowering thing, the, the, that thing that allows us to be the hands and feet of Christ, isn't just us doing these things. Because we can all do things mechanically. We can, we can all do certain things and, 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 and some things mechanically just because that's the right thing to do or a good thing to do. But listen, uh, God's told us to do these things. It's a command of God. And the truth is we're not going to be spiritually successful. I can get up here and preach without the Spirit of God, but I cannot preach successfully without the Spirit of God. Right? I can go and tell somebody about Jesus, but I need the Spirit of God 
empowering me to, pre to preach to them the gospel so that through the word of God and the spirit of God working in them, all, all, all started with prayer first, right? Uh, so that then I can go, uh, go and, and, and see somebody saved, not because I saved them, but because I planted, I watered, and God brought forth that increase. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 6, uh, John chapter 6, unless the Father draw them, they will not come to the Father. We need the Spirit of God to work in their lives. So he says, Lo, I am with you always. I'm going with you. See, I can't do it by myself. You don't understand. I can't talk to people. I don't, I, I, I'm not able to go out. I, I'm not able to teach. I'm not able to, to, to I, I, can't, I don't like to talk to anybody. I am an introvert. Me too. So you don't seem like an introvert. That would be the Holy Spirit. You know where, you, you know where I would rather be? In my office. <laughs> It is a lot easier to sit in an office and study a Bible and not talk to people. But you know what God has called us to do? To go and to teach. Well, you don't understand. It might cost me something. Actually, I do understand. It could cost me my job. Yes, it could. The Bible says that they, if they hated him, they're going to hate you. We go through the Beatitudes, which we are going to go through, and look at the Beatitudes. The last one says, blessed are they that are persecuted. Why? Because we will be persecuted. Now, you may not be persecuted like they would be over in Syria or some other country where they, they would literally take you out and stone you or chop off your head, but they could laugh at you. They could scorn you. They might deride you. Paul, Paul received all that and worse. Literally stoned to death, they thought. Left him there in a bleeding mess on the road or the side of the road, and they went back into the city. And when he woke up, he got up, and guess what he did? The next day, he traveled to the next town and he preached the gospel. Uh, we're, going to receive, uh, we're going to receive those things. But understand, we don't do it in our own strength. We don't do it in our own power. If we did, we would quit. Maybe that's why we have. If you haven't been sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, maybe that's why. Because we tried to do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always even to the ends of the earth. You know what that means? There isn't anywhere that you can go. There isn't anybody that you can talk to. That Christ isn't there with you, giving you the words to speak. And, what, and that's, what a blessing it is when you think about this. Because you don't have to make it up. You don't have to have a prepared speech. I, I, I've, been, I've, been to, uh, I've sat through classes where they, they did that. They taught you to, to go and knock on the door and say, hey, we're here uh, doing a survey, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was all in pretense and nothing in truth. I'll try, try to get them to hear the gospel. Now, I understand why. I don't believe that, would, is, I don't believe that was correct. Um, other people do it, and that's, they, they'll answer to God for what they're doing. And I'll answer to God for what I do. That doesn't mean you can't have conversations with people to stir up a spiritual conversation. Jesus did that. He sat on the side of the well and asked for a drink of water. Was he thirsty? Maybe. But was that really his purpose for being there? No. And he took that conversation and he was able to make it spiritual. We can do the same thing. You don't, you don't have to go out and knock on every door. We, though I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't, and in fact I think we should, because there were a lot of people out there that we're not going to talk to otherwise. Because uh, we, uh, we can put out all the Facebook ads we want to. You know what that's called? Marketing. It's not called evangelism. I'm not, I'm not against our, 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 our 
and I want, I want to make sure, that, especially our, our, our folks that, that work in the, with all that stuff, I, I'm, not, I'm not against those things, okay? I think that, that God can use any of that and all of that. But real evangelism is the preaching of the gospel. And we need to make sure that we don't just market our church, but we preach the gospel. And I know some of that is to bring people in. In fact, I, I, we're getting ready to start a, a new ministry. Uh, we, I mentioned it to several people, a prayer ministry, uh, where, we, where we're going, we've got cards that made up that, we're gonna, that we can hand out and say, listen, our church, we have a, a, a prayer group at our church. They, they can pray for you. Can you would, if you have something they can pray for you about, reach out. And there's a website they can go to. It's all almost all finished up. And once we do that, then we have we have a. It's it's like Jesus asking for a cup of water. It gives us that opening. Gives allows us to start the conversation. Okay. But if we don't ever do anything, we sit here, and we wait for them to come in the door, and we market the church and say, why aren't they coming to our church? Because there are bigger churches with nicer buildings, with more programs for the kids. Listen, we're not here to, to service the, the community in a way just to, to get them in. Now, when, I don't mean we're not to service the community. We're to love others. We're to help others. Uh, we're, to, we're to feed and clothe those that can't feed and clothe themselves. We're to do all of those things, but the whole purpose of those things is to get out the gospel. Now, Acts chapter 2. We're almost done. The reason we're not done yet is because here in Acts chapter 2, we see them doing exactly what Jesus said. Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching. and We know they've been preparing. The Holy Spirit has come. They're now empowered with the Holy Spirit. We, uh, the, 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 he's, he's come upon them. And, and man, God is blessing. Peter gets up and he preaches. We call that, well, we know it as Pentecost. Uh, they, they spoke in tongues, flaming tongues of fire were there. And everybody that heard it, heard it in their own language. There was people from all different kinds of nations and countries there, all different kinds of tongues. And they all heard the gospel. They all heard Peter preaching and they understood what he was saying. At the end of that message, when he was done, look at verse 41. Then David gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Praise God. <laughs> it's exciting when one soul gets saved. It's ex it'd be exciting if two or three got saved. Can you imagine if 3,000 people got saved? We'd be baptizing for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> it'd, it'd be a line uh, uh, in one door and out the other. It'd just be, it'd be, it'd be like, whoosh, okay, next. Whoosh. No, I'm just kidding. It would be the, that's not how they did it. That's right. Take a number. We'll be here all day, and I'd be glad for it. But, but understood what happened. They, Peter did what they were supposed to. He went and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they made disciples. But they weren't done. They then baptized those disciples. Those, those, those believers got baptized just like uh, had been ex uh, exemplified by Jesus and, and it had been commanded by Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people got baptized. What a glorious day that was. They were added unto the church. They became the, the body of believers in Jerusalem. It wasn't just the, the 12 or the 120 that was there prior to Pentecost. Uh, now there were 3,120 people uh, that, that was considered to be the church of Jesus Christ. And they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Notice with me verse 43. 
At the end of verse 42, we read verse 41. 42 says, and they, who? The 3,000? The apostles? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That's where continue is important. It means to carry on, to keep on, to proceed with, to pursue, or to persevere without fainting. This 3,000 people, they got saved and they never saw them again. No. This 3,000 people got saved and they didn't go away. They stayed. They pursued. They persevered. They, uh, they, the, the apostles did just what Jesus had said that they were supposed to do. They, they, they made disciples. They baptized the disciples. And then they taught the commands of Jesus Christ. They didn't have all the doctrines. Listen, we've got a lot of doctrines that we, that we hold to that, that are in, the, in Scripture. Right? And, and, and over, the, over the following years, they, 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 they came, and those apostles came and settled uh, uh, some of those doctrines, especially Paul, as, as the Spirit of God moved upon him and, and revealed to him mysteries uh, that had been hidden from the Old Testament. And, and, and we, we stand upon those things, like the Trinity, right? Uh, we, we understand the Trinity. The Jews did not understand the Trinity. These apostles, they just understood that God had a son and his name was Jesus. That's all they understood. But, but God spoke to Paul and, and, and through the word, they, they began to understand those things over, over time. But here, this is just the basic fundamentals of, 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 of Christianity, their salvation. They, they came and they, they, they taught them the teachings of Jesus to observe those things. And to persevere. I love the idea, that the, 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 the thought that, that, that they didn't just come and take a class. Because uh, a class nowadays is the end-all, be-all. Uh, we have, a, we have a, new, a new converts class. Come and take the class, and then off you go. No, 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 no. They met daily. Read, read, follow through. They didn't leave after one day or leave after a week. Uh, they, they continued steadfastly. They, they persevered. They, they put into practice those things that, that had been taught. And how do I know? Because it says that they had all things common. Read, read down to the end of the chapter. They had all things common. Uh, those who had property sold property so that those who had nothing didn't have food to eat uh, made sure that they had food to eat. Barnabas was one of those. Went out and sold, sold uh, his, uh, some property so that, so that the, the, the widows wouldn't starve or the widows wouldn't be hungry. Uh, listen, what is that? The love of Christ exhibited in a life of a, of a believer in Jesus. What happened? He was taught not just what he was supposed to do, but he was taught to observe those things. He was given the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom of those things. And as children of God, we are to have the knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom. It is easy to tell you to forgive somebody. It's a whole lot harder to forgive somebody. It is easy to teach you to love somebody. It is a whole lot harder to actually put that into practice. But those are the things that Jesus taught. Rich is over there, yeah, she won't forgive me. <laughs> he said, continue. The word steadfastly means this. It's, a, it's the Greek word, proskar uh, means to persevere constantly, to attend assiduously all the exercises thereof. Now, uh, I, uh, notice one, one, well, I say one thing, it's, it's, I want to notice what all they continued in. 
It wasn't just the doctrine. It wasn't just the doctrine. Verse 42 says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. It doesn't mean they just came and they learned what they were supposed to do. They continued in the knowledge. They continued studying and pursuing the, that, those truths, but they also pursued the fellowship. They came back together and they, they met with one another. They, 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 they would meet on a daily basis, according to the book of Acts. It wasn't just a once a week thing. The church in America is, I'll be honest, sad. Because, because uh, many people treat church uh, as, as, as a consumer-type experience. Where they go to church to, hear a, to he- listen to some music, and then to hear some inspiring speech or oration. And then they go home, and they come back next week to do the same thing all over again. That is not what they did. Notice it said they, they, yes, they continued steadfastly in the doctrine. And we are to do that. We do that when we preach the word of God. We do that in Bible study on Thursdays. Uh, we, we do that when on, at the men's meetings and the ladies' meetings and, and these other times that we can gather together. Listen, if you just want to get together and talk about the word of God, what a blessing that would be. Uh, we can sit and do that, right? Continuing steadfastly in the doctrines. And, and, and so being here, uh, there, somebody once said to me uh, years ago, in fact, we were going through the book of Acts in the afternoons uh, back then. or we're, Yeah, in the afternoons back then. And somebody, somebody came to me and said, well, you know, having a hard time coming uh, and bringing, bringing our kids because all they ever hear is messages on salvation. Every message is kind of geared around salvation. And at the time, our morning services were very evangelistic. Because the, mo- uh, because the truth is, if somebody's going to come, a visitor who's not saved, uh, they're most likely to come in the morning. And that's, that's why that was going on. Uh, it doesn't mean those, uh, that I was just, I, the, all the messages I preached, I, I truly believe, were led by the, by the Lord. But there are other messages. There are messages in the book of Acts about doctrine. And, and on Wednesday nights, I, I don't preach just once a week, and I don't preach the same message three times a week. The first time Jess went to, uh, I went back to Ohio with Jess uh, before we got married to introduce her to my family. I said, now remember, at this time, she wasn't saved, and I was away from the Lord. But I, war- I forewarned, her, forewarned her. I said, when we go to church on Sunday, we're going to go back in the afternoon. She goes, why? Because they preach a different message. Well, isn't once enough? It can be, if you can't go back. But it's a different message, and, and God can speak to you, in a, to you in a different way. Now, I'm not saying if, you, if somebody can't come to church on a Sunday afternoon that they're in sin, and they're wicked, and they're evil, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is uh, uh, there has to be a variety of, of, uh, of meals placed out. That, that yes, the gospel is preached, and yes, doctrine is preached, and, and yes, uh, exhortation takes place, and yes, and, and, and sometimes you can wrap all those things up in one sermon, but sometimes, uh, sometimes, especially when you're going, doing the word uh, verse by verse, uh, going through a book, you can preach, you have to preach what's there, and everything needs to go back to Christ. Sometimes, come back for that second meal to get a little bit of meat, because, well, it needs some. Sometimes you need an extra boost in the middle of the week. Now, you should be feeding yourself throughout the week. But, 
But what did God tell Peter? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. And what did Paul tell the, the Ephesian church? Feed the church of God which is among you. Now I could come and visit you, each one of you, every week for morning, noon, and night, but that would wear me out. <laughs> and you don't want me coming to your house all the time. So where do we come? We can come here. We can hear the word of God. So they, they came together. They, 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 they were steadfast in the doctrine. They, they persevered constantly to, to hear the word of God. They were pursuing it because they had a hunger and a desire because newborn babes desire the sincere milk, don't they? A newborn Christian will desire the same thing. But not only did they consider, uh, continue steadfastly in the doctrine, notice they also continued in fellowship. We need fellowship with one another. Real fellowship, not just, not just to run into one another in, in the store and say, hey, it's good to see you, I recognize you. That happens sometimes, but that's not, and, and maybe there's a little fellowship there, but we need real fellowship, or we can come together and sit down with the word of God and, and, and talk about, hey, I've been reading this, or man, I'm really struggling in this area. Like, well, I, again, just like we talked about this morning, that's not natural for us because we like to kind of put on a facade and tell everybody we're okay, but guess what? The Bible says we're to, 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 to let others help us bear our burdens. Confessing our faults one to another. Right? So, so again, not telling everybody, but there needs to be some kind of fellowship. Hey, can you pray for me for this? Or, or, or this, this issue is going wrong. And it, I'm not saying any specific thing. It should be, as God leads us, all things. Not just, oh, my, my aunt back in, you know, I haven't seen for three years, has cancer. Could you pray for her? We do that, and that's okay. But, hey, you know, I'm really, I'm really concerned about about my kids. I'm really concerned about my parent, mother, or father, their, their salvation. And I pray for my marriage. I, I realize I haven't done everything I'm supposed to do, and I'm praying that God helps me. You pray, could you pray with me about that? But we don't do that because we're afraid. We're afraid to, using a, 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 a card, we're afraid to show our cards. We like to play close to the vest. But God doesn't tell us to do that. Fellowship, we need that fellowship around the word of God. Breaking of bread, we do this every week. To eat with one another. Because honestly, that's where conversations take place. You know what they say, that when I grew up, we never sat around the dinner table. We always sat in the living Now, we did this because my dad had hurt his back and, and couldn't sit down in a hard chair for a long time. So we would all go and sit in the living room and eat our dinners and the TV was on. And guess what never happened? Any real conversation. Right? Never happened. Not to say that we never had conversations. My dad was home all the time. I had plenty of conversations with, with my dad. But it was never really around dinner. My wife is the complete opposite. Uh, in fact, it, it, it boggled my mind when we got married and we started having kids. She says, we're going to eat at the dinner table every single, not just night, every meal. We're all, and if we're all here, we're all going to eat together because that's where conversation takes place. When we come together, for it's not about the, the potlucks or who, you know getting in on whatever dessert. Or, it really has nothing to do with the food other than the fact that it allows us to come together to have conversations and to talk, to become a, a family. We are a family. I was, uh, I was sharing that with Jennifer this, uh, this, this morning. Uh, we are now brother and sister in Jesus Christ. Now, that, that doesn't mean that I now don't talk to Jennifer. 
It means that we, that, that, that we are part of that family. Guess what? We are all a part of that family. How about we start acting like it? I heard something this week. Uh, it was, it was actually, Dan sent me a vid, sent a video to me and a couple of people. And was talking, it was a guy who was talking about how uh, online services and, and putting your stuff online, uh, how he, even before COVID, said it was a bad idea, and even now still says it's a bad idea, especially for smaller churches. Because what happens is people will get used to sitting at home. And while you get the appearance of, hey, I went to church today, you're missing out on the actual real connection. It's a, it's a fake connection. There's nobody. You don't see anybody. You don't talk to anybody. It's all virtual or on the digital, digital on a screen. You're not able to exhort anybody. You're not able to, to hug anybody, to, to shake anybody's hand. Uh, they, they don't see your smile. And any smile that you see is all for the camera. Okay, I'm smiling at them, not you, <laughs> for those that are watching online. Now, it's not, not to say it's a bad thing, especially for folks that, that are sick or, 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 or homebound, right? I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it. I'm saying that it, it, that isn't church. And, 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 and honestly, the best way for the church to connect when COVID shut down wasn't to do it online. You know what the best way? It's the best way for you all to hear me preach because, again, I'd have to come to your house and preach the same message all the time. It'd be taking forever. You know, but the best way for us to connect? Hey, how you doing? I've been praying for you. We don't make phone calls anymore. We just text. Hey, how you doing? And the door opens up. Can I have a cup of coffee with you? Six foot distance. Come on. That's how we connect. You know how you really feel the love of a brother and sister in Christ when you're stuck homesick? Somebody brings you some food. You get a note in the mail that says, hey, I love you and I'm praying for you. That's how we connect as a body of believers. Not, well, we counted so-and-so on the, on the on, not, again, I'm not saying that any of that's, that it's bad for them to watch if they're stuck at home. I'm saying they're missing out on real connection. So let's not forget those that are stuck at home. Let's give them a call, knock on the door, send them a letter. Make sure that they know that we're thinking of them and we're praying for them. Say, we'd love to see you next week if you can be here. Now, for those that can't, we understand that. And, and make that connection. Lastly, it says, in prayer. They continued steadfastly in prayer. The church continued steadfastly in prayer. Jesus taught that we are all to pray. He taught the disciples to pray. He taught them to go into their closet and pray. And you should have your daily individual prayer life, and we'll, we'll get that in, in the book of Matthew when we go through it. And you should have that. But I want you to understand, as a church, they continued steadfastly in prayer. Not just once a week, but daily. They came together in prayer. Now, we don't meet once a week. or We don't meet just every day. We meet, and, and I get people are busy and have jobs, and I, 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 I understand that. But this, so did they. <laughs> and they didn't have a car to drive them to work or a microwave to cook their dinner fast. And their work, most likely, was physically hard. Our, our young people today don't understand uh, some of the things that, that us adults have grown into uh, uh, some of the things that we can do now that we couldn't do back then. 
They, they, they were born here, and they think, life is hard. If you were born in 1900, life was a whole lot harder. You went through the Great Depression. You went through World War I. You went through World War II. You went through the Korean War. Listen, you saw, I'm not saying they even understood what these people went through. I'm saying what we understand as hard today isn't hard one generation ago. Well, not all of you are one generation ago. <laughs> some of you went through some of those things. The church had to do all of those things. Feed their families, take care of all those things, work their jobs. But they were continuing, they were pursuing the, that, the doctrine. They were pursuing that fellowship. Why? Because it was important to them. We make time for those things that are important to us. And if our church body is important to us, we'll be here on Sunday. It'll even drive us to be here on Sunday afternoon. It might even drive us to come back on a Wednesday night and pray. Why? Because we love God. And we love others. It isn't about how many people are in our seats. I'll be honest, if, you're not gonna, if somebody doesn't come in with the spirit of prayer on Wednesday night, I'd rather they not be here. But the church has been called to more, has been called to do more, and just go. We preach a lot about that, and, we're, and I'll be honest, even I'm not good enough at it yet. We've all got areas to grow in, in, in preaching the gospel to, to the lost. But we're not just called to go. We're called to continue. In doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayer. That word continue, again, it means to pursue, to be steadfast, to not quit. How many of you would say, you were, when you got saved, you were really excited about serving God? And that affected what you did and how you lived your life. Would you say that it still affects you the same way? Are you still just as fervent to being, at, at being in the services and at church? And again, I'm not saying that if somebody can't come or isn't here, they're in sin. But when you get stirred up, right, sometimes you go farther than you would normally. My goal here this afternoon is just to get ready for the series as we're going to go through ahead and stir you up a little bit to remind you that we don't do these things because it's always the, the easiest thing to do. We don't, that we don't stay, listen, Sunday, praise God for, for, for helping me get my CPAP and help me get my, my health in order. I feel so much better and I, I honestly I'm so much more awake and alert and able to do what God has called me to do. But I know what it's like to be tired on a Sunday afternoon. Ask James. Uh, we would sit here and talk for about an hour after the services, and there are many a times when he'd be like, are you okay? Because while I desire to that, have that fellowship with Brother James, my body was saying, sleep. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I understand what it's like to be tired. And it wasn't just here because I'm the pastor. Because I love God. And I know you do too. I, I, I know you love God. Because he saved you. And the love of God constrains us, right? If Christ died for all, he gave his all for me. But I would give my all for him. 
God, stir us up a little. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your word and the reminders that we have in Scripture. God, I pray that you would be with us in the coming weeks as we study your word. Lord, that each of these truths that we, that we come across, each of these doctrines, these commands of Christ, that, Lord, that it would just stir us up, remind us of the joy, Lord, that we had. Lord, the, the, the excitement that we had, the, the, the blessings that we had in, in, in being obedient and, and following after you, Lord, and, and pursuing you. God, help us. I pray that you would have your way in each and every one of our lives. I pray that you not just stir up in our, in our minds, but also our hearts, a passion. Or not that we just do things. It's easy enough just to do things. But just like the, uh, Lord, I don't want to do it because out of duty, we want to do it out of love. Remind us of our love for you. Remind us of, uh, of what you did for us and help us, uh, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.